Hi guys, so this week I'm going to switch it up again since a lot of mythologies in our area that we hear in North America tend to be all from around Celtic, Norse, Roman, or Greek belief. This one is a little bit different. It is from Japanese folklore and it is a type of demonic creature that I want to talk about this week. It's called the Oni. Or the Oni. So it's known if you look on um, Britannica website. It is known to be something that's of giant size and it's very scary the way it looks. Um, they're really strong. They're considered to be obviously from Japan. Um, but originally from China, and some people even believe that they're derived from Buddhism. So, they have different looks. They get shown in art a lot when they're showing legends, and generally they're women, but not always. You'll see them in the colors pink, red, or blue-gray, and they usually have horns, three fingers, three toes, and sometimes you'll even see them with three eyes, which I think is cool. So, it is a kind of yokei. Yokei, which I'm probably butchering, I apologize. Which means it's a demon, ogre, or a troll in Japanese folklore. So, usually, like I said, they might have one or more horns growing out of their heads. And... They usually have just loincloths on or like some sort of pelt, like a tiger. And they're usually carrying clubs, which are called iron kanabo. And that's like a symbol for the dark side, apparently, for like evil things. So you see them in art and literature and theater. You see them as villains in fairy tales. So in the fairy tale that we would call Peach Boy, they call it Momotaro. And then it's shown in other ones as well. So they believe that the word oni or uni or however you want to say it derives from the word on yomi. And it means to hide or to conceal, right? So it's kind of like supernatural. We don't know what it is. And they tend to have the want to hide things from people too. Or they hide themselves as well because they don't like being seen. So, this was found in, tenth, in, tenth, in the 10th century, wow, in Wami Osho, which reveals the Oni. It had a different meaning then, though. It was a soul or spirit of the dead. That was it. Nothing else. So, if you look at the character, like the Japanese character for Oni... It actually also means dead or ancestral spirit. So it doesn't mean that it's bad, which I think is kind of cool because a lot of times it's misrepresented, right? A lot of spirits as being bad just because of who went out during leadership at the time. So they believe that the Chinese Taoists were the origin for the concept of it. And it was proposed by... Again, I'll butcher this, but Takashi Masaki. And it would basically be, if it was a powerful one, it would literally be considered like an oni god, like a, a god spirit. 
and they called it a kishin or a kinyin, or kijin or a ki. So it's basically just an alternate character that they use for oni in um, in Japanese writing. And it can also be used in Japanese Buddhism. If you're learning that, it just means wrathful deities, gods, right? So, the reason why they say with Hindu Buddhist creatures, it's known like the Yaksha and the Rakshasa, and it's a man-devouring spirit. And it was someone who would um, go after people who sinned, which I think is interesting, right? And um, they would be like the wardens of hell, which they call Jigoku. And they would be the ones where they're sort of um, king of the underworld, which they call Yama. Um, They do his evil biddings that he kind of tells them to do or whatever. Okay. So... In this case, they're known as hideous, gigantic, ogre-like creatures. They can have single or multiple horns. Like I said, they have sharp claws and wild, crazy hair. They do have their loincloths and the iron clubs, like I said, the kanabo. And it leads that to be that they're also invincible, so they can't be killed because technically they're already dead. So, way back traditionally, there is a bean-throwing custom that was used to drive out the Oni, and it's practiced at Setsuban. It's a festival in February that they do. And what they do is they take roasted soybeans indoors or outside, doesn't matter, and they shout, Oni wa soto, or Fuku wa uchi. I really apologize. I'm doing a terrible job of this. But it means Oni go out, blessings come in. So they go inside and throw the beans outside. And they're roasted soybeans, like I said. So it is grown from a festival or a ritual that was called Sumi, Sumi, oh my god, Suina, which means Nuo in Chinese, or Oni Yare, which is the year end right to drive away the Oni, the ghosts. So there's this charm that some people have made of holly leaves and dried sardine heads and that's also used to guard against the oni and they call the oni as a common name gogo which is the same game of tag the kids play right that we play here so the person that is it instead of just being it is actually an oni which i think is cute <laughs> in a weird way And we'd already talked about the fact that there's books done on this for children even. So nowadays, obviously they've lost a lot of their wickedness, but um, people use them as more of a protective stance, which is kind of cool. So men will dress up in Oni costumes and lead parades to dispel any bad luck in front of the parade. And I think that's actually really freaking amazing. So... In Onigawara, the roof of Tokyo National University of Fine Arts and Music, 
At the very peak of its roof is an oni carved into the roof. So to protect the school, I think that's really fascinating. And they're called Onigawara. Um, and I just think that's amazing. So it's kind of like gargoyles in a sense, minus the fact that they're not a drain spout. Now, there's other different expressions that they use to reference an oni. So they have oya ni ninu kowa oni noko. And it means a child that does not resemble its parents is a child of an oni. And it could mean that they are, um, that they could be a mis- like just a bad kid, like a brat. But they could also be a parent to somebody else, which is kind of sad, actually. <laughs> so, according to Chinese Taoism and esoteric on Mayoto, the ways of yin and yang, the northeasterly direction, and I'm reading this directly from Wikipedia, by the way, this part, is termed the Kamon, the demon gate. And it's considered an unlucky direction. So that is in Chinese Taoism. It is the northeasterly direction, and it's called the Kamon. Okay. So this is like the gateway or the portal of which where evil spirits would pass through. So we have the 12 animals of the zodiac that are depicted in Chinese astrology, obviously. And they go in the direction. The Kamon was also known as the Ushitora or the ox tiger direction. So the Oni's horns on the bovine or the and the tiger skin, the loincloth was depiction of this term. So that's why they have those those characteristics in their looks. So they have temples facing that direction deliberately. And they do that in order to guard, like, capitals and stuff like that, state capitals and stuff, which I find to be very fascinating. And they have moved away also, like, from castles and things like that in the past. Now, they think skeptics, since the temples found it in 1788, six years before Kyoto even existed as a capital... And its ruling class was so feng shui-minded, right? Which they are. The subsequent northeasterly move of the capital in Nagogo Kayo to Kyoto would have been certainly been taboo. So that's where they go. Um, feng shui, for those of you who don't know, is where, based off of who you are as a person when you're born... Um, you are given certain directions that are auspicious or non-auspicious and you can then move the space within your home or even within the city you live in, your house, the type of house you build. Um, They have broken arrows, which are just basically like corners, right? Like straight edge corners that they work with all these different symbolic meanings to create harmony and a sense of flow, which is like chi, in a space and you can do that at home at work or have you that's like a very very basic way of saying it but it's fascinating I've done it myself it actually does work it feels really good so sometimes Japanese buildings have an L shape indent right how they um like how they're shaped at the northeast to ward against the oni so the placement of the buildings and their shape right is a big part of that so in Kyoto 
imperial palace, they have notched corners in that direction. So it takes away the broken arrows, right? Which is bad. So it's very interesting how they may not even realize that some people there, but that's something that still comes into play generations later. And I find that completely amazing. Now, from another site I found really interesting, the yokai. These are just some other interesting Japanese sort of folklores. The yokai was also considered a ghost, a phantom, or a strange apparition. And it was made up from the word kanji, which means bewitching. So it would be like a bewitching spirit, right? And obviously they would consider that to be malicious, malevolent, whatever. But some people believe that they actually bring them good fortune when they encounter them, which is interesting. And they normally look like an animal, which would be like a turtle that has wings, that kind of thing. And they have supernatural power, which allows them to shapeshift. And they are called abaki when they do that. So then we have the oni again, which we talked about, and the yuri. So onis were demons, yuri were ghosts, depending on who you ask. But really, oni just means spirits. And then we have the kaiohimi which is a young woman scorned by her lover, who is a monk named Anchen, who grew cold and lost interest in her. Realizing he left her, Kayomi followed him to a river and transformed into a serpent while swimming after his boat. Terrified by her monstrous form, Anchen sought refuge in a temple where monks hid him and beneath a bell. Not to be evaded, Kinom found him by ascent coiled him around the bell and banged loudly on it with her tail. She breathed fire into the bell and melting and killing him. <laughs> then we have the Yuki Ana, the snow woman. And apparently this is one that has many different variations of it, but usually it's someone who has soft white skin, a white kimono, and long black hair. She appears at snowfall and glides without ever really touching the ground. She feeds on the human's essence, and her choice is to blow on her victims and freeze them to death, and then suck at their souls through their mouths. I'll read a couple more other ones that I thought were interesting. Then we have the Shuten Doji. I'm, I know I'm butchering these, I apologize. Um, it is 50 feet tall and has a red body, five horns, and 15 eyes. Warriors infiltrated the Shuten Doji's lair disguised as mountain priests to free some kidnapped women. The Oni, the spirit, greeted them with a banquet of human flesh and blood and disguised and the warriors that were disguised offered the demon um, some sake that was drugged. And when the demon passed out, the warriors cut off his head and killed the other Onis and freed the prisoners. So, apparently. <laughs> then we have the mountain ogress called Yamoba, also from medieval period. And they're old women who were sort of um, forced to live outside of the communities. And they were known for eating humans, or at least their flesh. So... What happens is a young woman goes out and she's about to give birth. So the Yumaba allows her to come in and take shelter. Um, she was planning on secretly eating the baby. 
And in other folklores, they say that the Yamaba will actually go to the homes to eat the children while their moms are away. But technically, they will pretty much eat anyone. Then we have the Uji no Hashihim, and that's really badly said, woman at Uji Bridge. And it was a woman who scorned again. And the Uji no Hashihim prayed to a deity to turn her into an Oni so she could kill her husband. So what she did was the woman he fell in love with and all their relatives, she wanted to have them all killed too. So she she bathed in the Uji River for 21 days and dived her hair, divided her hair into five horns. She painted her body red with vermilion and went on a legendary killing spree. I think that's kind of interesting in a sense. (laughs) And anyone who saw her, like the Gorgons, died instantly. So the Tengu are impish mountain goblins that play tricks on people featured in lots of different folklores um, that were considered evil in the 14th century. They were bird-like with wings and beaks. But now you usually see them just with a really big nose. And they were known to lead people away from Buddhism. The Tengu are... um, Sorry, not Tengu. The Oiwa. It was a revenge story. And... The oil was married to a ronin, which is a masterless samurai, okay, named Lemon. He wanted to marry a rich local's daughter who had fallen in love with him. And in order to end their marriage, Oiwa was sent, he sent his, sorry, Oya was sent a poisoned medicine to kill her. Though the poison failed to kill her, she became horribly disfigured by it. And it caused her hair to fall out, her left eye to droop. And when she realized that it was because of her husband, she killed herself on the sword. So her deformed face appears everywhere to haunt this person, Ayaman. And apparently it was even placed to appear on his new bride's face, which caused him to behead his new wife, or soon-to-be new wife. So she, she basically tortured him until he wanted to die. So then we have... Akamanto, the red cloak. Um, it's basically one of the more popular demons and it hides in women's bathrooms. So, in one tale, the Akamanto asks the woman if they would like a red cloak or a blue cloak. The woman answers red and he tears the flesh from her back to make it appear she's wearing a red cloak. And she answers blue, then he strangles her to death pretty interesting um then we have the slit mouthed woman called the kuchisaki ona in urban legend from 79 so pretty not that long ago um the kuchisaki saka ona wears a surgical mask and asks children if they think she's beautiful they say yes she takes off her masks and shows how her mouth is all slit from ear to ear and then she asks again the only way to escape is to give a non-committal answer, such as you look okay or something like that. And if you can distract her with certain candies. Now, the demon at Edgy Bridge. Let's see. Um, a man boasted to his friends that he didn't have any fear and he was willing to cross his Edgy Bridge or the demon that rumored to reside there. So, they are known to the ability to shapeshift spirits or the Oni. So... 
the Oni appeared to the man as an abandoned woman. So as soon as she caught the young man's eye, she transformed back into a nine-foot green-skinned monster and chased after him. Unable to catch him, the demon later changed into the form of one of the, of the man's brother and knocked on his door late at night. The demon was let into the house and eventually bit the man's head off and danced with it before his family. Interesting. <laughs> um, let's see if there's any others. And I believe that is out. That would be the last one that I could find for you guys. But go to the blog this week, mycrazysynchronicities.org. It's in the bio. It's linked there. And you will find this week I'm going to be writing about golems. And look also for sort of the historical mythologies on the Greek pantheon and the history of them. It's interesting because I was always a Norse mythology girl. I grew up knowing about them. That was my thing. And I know them very well. And they're a very simple family tree line. They have all father, they have Loki, they're the people that stem below them and the gods that stem above them are the giants, I should say. Now, in Greek mythology, it's all over the freaking map, and it's like a Jerry Springer episode, and everybody's sleeping with everybody, their kids, their siblings, they're getting back at each other by sleeping with other people, it's insane, but it's interesting trying to figure it all out, so I'm trying to write it in a way of which people can actually understand it, so as of the time of me recording this episode, there is the story of sort of the beginning and then the story of Gaia dealing with Zeus after that. But by the time you guys get this, I hope that there will be more. Also, make sure to check out on the site. There will be blogs every month about the astrological sign, information about it and its planets and the mythologies behind it, as well as, well as tarot to do with each of those signs, too. And obviously the normal depictions of the characteristics of someone born under that sign and what to expect. Their element, their house, what have you. So definitely check it out. And I will see you guys next time.